You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. How many times on Mother's Day have you gone to church and there's some guy who stands up and talks about, you know, how to be a good mom? Does that ever seem ironic to any of you? Seems a little odd, right? This, you know, it's not typically why moms are like, I have to translate what he says into what I understand. Well, today in this series, we're talking about how to deal with how you feel. We're talking about your emotional health. And, uh, you know, I just thought uh, as we were looking at this series, I thought, well, who better to talk about that than the favorite mom who lives in my house? Will you please give a warm Sun Grove welcome to Mrs. Heather Flagg? Welcome to Sun Grove. So Dave and I, we have three boys, so I am way outnumbered. And the boys and I just got back yesterday from a Mother's Day trip to see my 99-year-old grandmother in Guilford, Connecticut. So we flew into New York City, and everyone advises, like, don't drive in New York, and there's a reason, because, like, they have their own horn language. There's this little beep beep like, I'm getting over, you can come over. There's this serious honk like coming through out of my way. And it was a whole new language. But we, we broke all the rules and we drove from JFK into Manhattan, parked, and we walked across the Brooklyn Bridge. So we're making a memory. There's a photo of our boys. And Zachary's on the left, you see him rocking the drums, he's our oldest. And then on the right is Matthew, he's our middle guy, and I'm technology challenged, and he is my personal tech support. He's also the double stuff of our family. You know how middle children are notorious for getting lost? We're like, nah, he's the double stuff. He holds it all together. And then Joshua in the middle, he's our youngest, and he's getting to be, he's the tallest now. There's a little tension about that. The baby's getting biggest. So we went, and then we, we went from on the Brooklyn Bridge. A lot of times, lovers will take a lock and a key, and they will lock it on the bridge and throw the keys in the river as a symbol of their everlasting love. And Dave was home funding our trip, so he and I couldn't do that. But the boys and I, we put a lock, and they chose right in the center of the bridge, right in the middle. So we locked the lock on, and, and it's a reminder to us that we want Jesus to be the center of our hearts and our lives and our family. And then Dave and I have the keepsake keys to remember that commitment. So we made a memory together this week. And then we went to Connecticut and spent four amazing days with my precious grandmother. She will celebrate her century birthday. Is she not the best? Okay, now my grandmother, her name is Emma Catherine Dudley McSweet. So I get the McSweet in my name from Emma. And she lives in a colonial home that was built in 1788. She was actually born there and lived there for 98 years. She's now in a care facility. So we, we took the Chinese checkers. There's this ongoing challenge. And though she is nearly blind, she still gives the boys a run for their money. So we are definitely, after this week, in a Mother's Day state of mind. So at Sun Grove, right now we're in the middle of a 50-day series, and we're looking, it's called Transformed. We're looking at getting healthy in different areas of our lives. So we started out by setting life goals, 
And then we looked at the importance of our spiritual health to build our relationship with God, our physical health, where we learn to rest by incorporating a Sabbath in our weekly routine, and then our mental health, that when we challenge the way we think, we can change the way we feel. Today, we're looking at our emotional health, how to deal with how you feel. So last week, as we talked about being transformed by the renewing of our minds and taking every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ, this week, we're looking at our hearts, our emotions, what the Bible says about how to manage our emotions, how to deal with how you feel. So you'll want to pull out your outlines. I'm a homeschool teacher, so I expect to be taking mad notes, and I'm watching you. So grab your sun grove pen and pull out your best penmanship. And I am so grateful that today's important message corresponds with Mother's Day because this is a day that can generate a lot of emotions. So give a wave how many moms are out there. And stepmoms, foster moms, adoptive moms, you know a mom. Wave if you have a mom. Okay, this message is for all of us. So Mother's Day impacts us in different ways, and it generates these different emotions. We'll start with the happy, like maybe you have or are the world's best mom. Like you're the kind of mom that you band-aid injuries, and you pack lunches, and you send care packages, and you make a million treasured memories. Or maybe God provided a spiritual mom or an adopt-a-mom to kind of fill in the gaps in your life. Or maybe this year you're expecting a baby. So Mother's Day is really exciting. And pregnancy is a time when you participate in a miracle like no other time as God knits together another precious life. So maybe you're like me, you have a grandmother who is the sweetest of all things and full of grace and wisdom and you want to grow up and look a whole lot like her. Mother's Day can generate a whole lot of happy. But it also can bring up a few raw emotions pressure. Any men in the house feeling a little pressure to up your game this year and make Mother's Day Pinterest perfect? I know you go there too. Or, and, and there's still time to go get some flowers and create that custom card that means more than any Hallmark you can buy. Or maybe pain. Because you had an absent or an abusive mother or a broken relationship currently with your own mom, or sadness, that you are mourning a beloved mother who lives at a distance or who passed away. Or sorrow, you may see your mother's declining health and she might not even remember who you are. Grieving, you remember daily the little one you never met because of that miscarriage. And you imagine all those milestones and firsts that you don't get to see, or heartbreak, infertility. It prevents what you want most in all the world, that baby who will make you a biological mother. Or loss, my sweet grandmother Emma, she experienced the loss of two out of three of her children. Both of her sons passed away. And she has just said no matter what age, it, there's an injustice in parents outliving children. It shouldn't be that way. 
or regret for a past abortion that you can't undo and that annual due date reminds you. Or waiting, waiting to meet the future spouse who will bring about the future children, or you're waiting for fertility to cooperate, or you're waiting for your child to return to the Lord. Or tired, mom, you are in the trenches, and there is nothing like a newborn to teach you why sleep deprivation is such a powerful form of torture. Or your single mom. Being a single mom is the hardest job in the world to fly solo. You might be discouraged. You feel overworked and underappreciated, and you need some hope and some joy in your life. Or even a little tension. The graduation announcements are arriving, and there can be this tension between a, a teenager who's got some independence, but they're still really dependent. Or that college student who's coming home for the summer, and they've got to adjust back to home rules after being out and about. There can be a little tension. So for you today, we support you, and we grieve with you, and we love you, and we have prayed for you. So Mother's Day, it can generate a whole lot of emotions, the good and the hard. So, on your outline, grab that pen, and we'll look at understanding our emotions. Number one, God has emotions. God is an emotional God. He feels joy, grief, pain, love, anger, and injustice. He feels that whole range of feelings. Well, Mark 12, 29 through 30, Jesus says this, the most important commandment is this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. God created our emotions and he wants us to have an emotional relationship with him. Not just head knowledge, well I believe this theologically about God, but a heart relationship, a passionate love relationship with him. He wants your head and your heart. He wants all of you, your intellect and your emotions. God loves you passionately like that. So God has emotions. And number two, our ability to feel is a gift from God. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God made you in his own image, and your emotions are a gift from him, the good and the hard. They are a gift, allowing you to experience and express the bitter and the sweet, which reminds me of chocolate, bitter and sweet, which is my favorite vegetable. So, God gave us these emotions for a reason. Now, there are two extremes to avoid regarding our emotions. Number three on your sheet, emotionalism. This is the perspective that all that matters is how I feel. This is the emo, drama, soap opera, Hollywood perspective. This extreme says that it doesn't matter what I think, doesn't matter what is right or wrong, good or bad, it only matters what I feel. 
This says, feelings dominate my life. It's all about what I feel, and if it feels good, just do it, that Nike philosophy. But emotionalism is dangerous, and it's impulsive. Emotionalism can cost you the grade because you don't feel like studying. Emotionalism will cost you your health when you do feel like eating the whole half gallon of ice cream. Emotionalism costs you your job when you don't feel like working diligently. And emotionalism costs you relationship when you feel like generating all kinds of drama. So we need to learn to govern our emotions, that we feel them, experience them, and we govern them. So the opposite extreme, we have emotionalism, we also have stoicism. Now stoicism says that feelings aren't important at all. Stoicism comes from the Greek philosophers who placed logic and the mind above the heart and the emotions. So this extreme is the opposite. Stoicism says that feelings don't matter, only your intellect and your will, those are higher than the feelings. Your volition, your choice, your intelligence, all of that is superior to those feelings. Now, I have a sister, Carrie, who's a year and a half older, and when we were adolescents, so in those teenage years, she was high on emotionalism. I feel I was high on the stoicism, I think. So you can imagine arguments in our house. It started out with, I think this way, and I feel that way, and she would burst into tears, and I'm like, what is wrong with her? Because she was so emotional. But here's the thing, opposites so often attract. So very often in a marriage, you may find these extremes, one of the emotionalism and one of the stoicism, and it can generate some tension and some conflict as you try to negotiate your differences. But it's so important. God doesn't want us to be on the emotionalism or the stoicism extremes. He wants us to come towards the middle, to be in that healthy middle ground. So generally, as we're thinking, the mind represents the intellect and the heart represents the emotions. But we now know that those are actually two systems that happen in our brains. And Dave mentioned last week, looking at the mind, in the Hebrew mindset of the Old Testament, the seat of the emotions was actually the stomach. So Dave Flagg, I love you with all my guts. Yeah, there he is. Okay, so number five, God gave us the book of Psalms to understand our emotions. The book of Psalms has all kinds of emotions, the good ones, the hard ones, Praise and thanksgiving, anger, complaint, sorrow, doubt, joy, it's all there. Read it. Fall in love with it. If you're emotional on that emotionalism, go there. You're going to fall in love. If you're a stoic and you need to get in touch with some emotions, go to the book of Psalms. So why must we learn to manage our emotions? How do we deal with how we feel? Number one on your outline, I must learn to manage my emotions because my feelings are often unreliable. My feelings are often unreliable. 
Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And Jeremiah 17, 9 states, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Anyone had emotions? You're like, who can understand it? Like, I don't know. But verse 10 answers, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. God understands our thoughts and our feelings far better than we do. So we need to tap into him as a resource. And this impacts our relationship with God, our spiritual lives. Because if I am trusting my feelings that are unreliable, I might feel unforgiven. Even though I've confessed my sin, I carry around this unforgiveness because I'm trusting my feelings. When God's word tells me that I am forgiven and free, when we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'm either going to listen to my feelings and be defeated and walk around feeling unforgiven, or I'm going to rely upon God's word that tells me I have confessed and I am forgiven and I am free and I'll walk in victory. So we have to get a rein on our emotions. Rick Warren wisely says this. You want to write it down and I'll repeat it. You don't have to believe everything you think. And you don't have to accept everything you feel. You don't have to believe everything you think. And you don't have to accept everything you feel. In fact, you shouldn't. Just because you think it or feel it does not mean it is true. You don't have to believe everything you think, and you don't have to accept everything you feel. Test those thoughts and test those emotions. So number two, I must learn to manage my emotions because I don't want to be manipulated. I don't want to be manipulated. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So a city without walls is vulnerable to attack. And we are very vulnerable to attacks from the enemy if we don't manage our emotions. We need to control our emotions or our emotions will control us. And we will be manipulated by our moods. And we've all done it before. Salesmen and advertisers are trained in how to stir up our emotions because they know that as soon as we get emotionally attached, we will make that purchase. So even a week ago, I went to the store to get a specific hand soap. I'm going to get this hand soap. I have it. I get in line. I build a friendship with the sweet little sales girl. I admire her diamond ring. She's freshly engaged. It's all new. I'm buying my hand soap. And she suggests to me that there's another one on the shelf that is more for less money. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I go and buy that product. And then I get to the parking lot. I'm like, hmm, I came here to get some hand soap. And I did not even come. I don't have the product with me because I got persuaded to buy something else. And I went and returned it. And that was just a little thing, but this manipulation can cost us a whole lot more than hand soap.
we might be getting the motorboat or the sports car or you know something bigger because we're following those impulses so we need to be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour first peter 5 verse 8 the enemy of our souls will manipulate our negative emotions. He capitalizes on them. So he will tell us that we are too much and we are not enough. And he will take our negative emotions like disappointment and resentment, jealousy, envy, bitterness, worry, shame, guilt, fear, the enemy of our souls wants to multiply and magnify the negatives. He's going to manipulate those emotions so that we have no hope. But God wants us to have spirit-led self-control. We have to examine our, our thoughts and our feelings. We need to test them, not to swallow it all. So Dave mentioned last week that we have three things against us. We have our own sinful selves. We have a very real enemy, and we have a polluted world, and all of those want to manipulate, especially those negative emotions. We have a God who is three in one who is for us, and there is hope. Lisa Turkhurst has a very helpful book called Unglued that talks about managing our emotions so we're not manipulated by them. That when we feel like blowing up or melting down, she will say that feelings should be indicators but not dictators. So if you are living your life dictated by your feelings, God wants to come in and make some changes. So powerful book called Unglued, write down that resource. Number three, I must learn to manage my emotions because I want to please God. I want to please God. I want to hear well done, good and faithful savior. Romans eight verses six through eight says, the mind governed, governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. When we follow our flesh instead of following God, we cannot please him. So God cannot be God of my life if my emotions are God of my life. And God cannot rule my life if my emotions rule my life. We need to live according to what God's word says, not according to our feelings, our own thoughts, or the opinions of others. So number four, I must learn to manage my emotions because I want to succeed in life. Studies indicate that emotional intelligence is even more important than your IQ. Your emotional intelligence is more important than your mental intelligence. We have this self-awareness, which is not selfishness or self-centeredness, the me, myself, and I generation. But when we're self-aware, we know we can own our thoughts and feelings. We can express our thoughts and feelings. And that's critically important to be successful. It will help us to make wise decisions and to follow God rather than our own impulsive feelings. 
Proverbs 5, verse 23 says, For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. So when we give our hearts to Jesus and surrender control of our lives, we are giving our emotions to him as well, that he might govern, be the ruler and the master and the Lord of our emotions as well. 1 Peter 4.2 says, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. I want to please God. I want to grow up in my faith. I don't want to blow up or melt down. I want to be self-governed and walk in joyful wisdom and maturity. So, I get this understanding that I don't want to walk in emotionalism. I don't want to hang out in stoicism. I need to manage my emotions, but how? We've all got them. What do we do with them? How do we rein this in? Because no matter our age, if we're a teenager and under all kinds of pressure and stress, or a mom, a parent, a grandparent, we need to know, how do I manage those unwanted feelings? And the first thing we're going to do is name it. We're going to identify it, ask ourselves, what am I feeling? And if you grow up in some kind of chaos, so often you don't learn that. You just blurt it out and you don't learn. So you want to gradually learn to own and express your thoughts and feelings. So on the back of your, your notes, you'll see a sheet with all kinds of expressions. When our boys were little, we had this on our refrigerator and it helped us as parents to govern ourselves as we were able to identify, wow, mm, I feel angry right now, or this is a sad moment. But it, had a, it has a little rectangle, and you can order these on Amazon. And the little rectangle you can put over any of these. So I would actually know how my boys were feeling because the magnet was at their level. And I would see that little rectangle move around like someone's happy today. And so it helps us to own and express our feelings so we can impart that skill to our children that they can own and express their feelings. So self-awareness is super important for us. We often think that we're in touch with our emotions, whether a guy, whether a gal, but Rick Warren, he talks about this couple who they came in for some marriage counseling because they were having conflict and tension. And so the counselor said, well, let's hear about your feelings. The guy's like, I'm a sensitive guy. I'm so in touch with my emotions. So she asked, well, what are some things you felt this week? And he's like, <sighs> hungry and tired. And those aren't emotions. Those are conditions of our lives, but they're not emotions. Hungry and tired are conditions but they aren't emotions. Now, hungry and tired conditions can lead to emotions such as grumpy and hangry, right? So, the guy, he couldn't do it. And it's not because he was a guy. All of us can grow in our emotional awareness. So we wanna ask ourselves, what are our triggers? I feel angry, I identify, I feel angry. Why do I feel angry? What is the source of this? What is triggering it? And that can be super important. So name that. Somewhere on your margin, write this acronym. In our family, this has been a huge tool. HALT originates with 
Alcoholics Anonymous, a 12-step program. So when you feel like blowing up or you feel like melting down, you call time out, you halt, and ask yourself, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? We've got a few feelings and a few conditions in there. But if I feel like blowing up or melting down, I say, halt, am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Helps me to identify it. And we added a few more. So add S, 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 H, and one more S. We ask ourselves, am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Am I sick, sad, sensitive, hormonal, or is it spiritual warfare? Halts, am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired, sick, sad, sensitive, hormonal, or is this spiritual warfare? Could the enemy be attacking? Now, secret, guys, you never ask the hormonal question. You leave that to the woman to identify for herself. But don't be like, halt, wife. Are you capital H hormonal? Let her check her own calendar. But you're going you're gonna to find yourself when you want to blow up, you want to melt down. If you call time out and you're like, I feel angry. Okay. Why do I feel angry? You realize, I'm sick. I have a splitting headache. I'm walking around with a grumpy scowl because I hurt. And all of a sudden, because you've identified the emotion, you now know the source. You can take two Advil, drink a whole glass of water, you're hydrated and medicated, and life just improved a whole lot for you and those around you. So we're going to name it. Number two, we're also going to challenge it. We're not just going to take that initial emotion that we feel and accept it and embrace it and run with it. Ask yourself, are things really as bad as they feel? And ask God for his perspective, since he knows our thoughts and our feelings better than we do. Proverbs 18:17 says that the first person to present their case seems right until another comes forward and questions him. Parents, have you ever had one child run up and they, they come and they tattle and so-and-so hit me and this, 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 this. And you're like, mm, they're in trouble. And then child number two comes up and is like, they broke my that and that's why I retaliated. And, it, and you're like, mm, no, first one's really the one in trouble, right? Because we need to gather more information. So often we don't have all of the information. But what happens is it, it applies to our emotions as well. When that first feeling comes, that emotion, examine it, check it out, challenge it a little. There may be something else right there. So question it and reason with that emotion. Ask God to give you wisdom and perspective. He understands you better than you do. When we're like, I don't know what I'm feeling and why, talk to God about it because he really knows. So ask a few questions. What is the real reason I'm feeling this? Every time under anger is pain, you might be feeling angry towards that parent who wasn't there for you, but beneath that is some pain. So really identify, what is the real reason that I'm feeling this? Ask, is it true? Is this true? Gather more information. Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Is it positive or negative? We can't 
every time trust our emotions. When I was a college student, I felt alone. I felt like no one cared. But that was untrue. These emotions that caused me to, I was depressed and, and struggling with life. I'm like, I'm all alone and no one cares. Felt it, but it wasn't true. I had a whole family who loved me. I had friends. I had a church who supported me. I had professors. And it's all about perspective. And so once I examined it and was able to say, oh, I'm lonely and no one cares. And I had a counselor who challenged me on that. Is that, is that true? I'm like, oh, no. And once I realized, no, this, all this I'm feeling, it's, it's not even true. I have people who care. God is near, I'm not alone, and I have a support system. So we have to examine it and challenge it a little bit. And you might be surprised to find out those emotions aren't as true as they feel, because they're powerful, we wanna believe them. So, number three, we're gonna tame it. We're gonna name it, we're gonna challenge it, and we're gonna tame it. Self-government. Sometimes you need to change what you are feeling, and other times you need to channel or direct it. When I was feeling all alone and no one cares, I needed to change that. That was not based on truth. In fact, once I started, and I was a college student, I started volunteering in a youth ministry, and I was able to encourage students who felt alone and no one cared. And all of a sudden, my alone and no one cares did a whole lot of shrinking because I was ministering to people so they wouldn't feel alone and no one cares. And so we want to be people who, we change our feelings. God will help us with that. As I cooperate with God, he will change my attitude and I choose my attitudes and my, my emotions. They don't just happen to me, I have a choice. So I dismiss any feeling that doesn't make me more like Jesus. Pride, anger, envy, any feeling that doesn't make me look more like Jesus, I change that. And God, he will direct and channel our attitudes. Philippians 2.5 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So if we're not looking like Jesus, something's got to change there. And God is good about helping that. So you're angry about modern slavery? Let God direct that and you go fight for justice. You have experienced hardship and pain use your pain to help other people. Instead of just magnifying and multiplying those negatives, channel, direct all of that energy towards something good. On your notes, every day, ask God to fill me with his spirits. Galatians 5, to 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now the fruit of the Spirit looks really, really good, but the fruit of Heather, 
It's looking like unlove, unjoy, unpeace, unpatience, unkindness, ungoodness, unfaithfulness, ungentleness, and unself-control. So when I see those negatives coming out of me, I know that I'm walking in my flesh and not walking by God's spirit. So when those negatives come out, we've got to refocus upon God, ask him to take our hearts and our emotions. We need more of him and less of us. John 3.30 says, he must become greater and I must become less engage spirit-led self-control. In the movie The Incredibles, there's a scene where the kids are going wild and the mom's trying to round them up and the husband's just sitting there distracted and the wife's like, engage, Bob. And you go, people, we need to engage. We need to take control of some situations and have some spirit-led self-control and govern ourselves. That's part of wisdom and maturity to govern. When, especially parents, our children, they're blowing up or melting down, that's the time they need us to keep our calm. As soon as we match their blowing up or melting down, the whole thing's gonna escalate. Someone's gotta be calm and grown up in this situation, and that is you. So their police officers are trained to lower their volume, speak softly when there's a crisis situation. And we do the same thing in our home. I don't want to be a mom who yells. So when I feel like yelling, I whisper. And sometimes my boys are a little concerned when the whisper comes out. They're like, uh-oh, must it. Mom's at, her, at the limit. But we, instead of blowing up or melting down, really, and rein in, self-govern, grow up. It's time. No more drama. No more emo. No more Facebook, middle school, junior high. Like, we're grown-ups. Time to grow up. All right. We need to govern ourselves so that we can govern our children, that they might walk in wisdom and maturity as well. On your notes, every day, every day, ask God to help me manage my mouth. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you have a problem with your words, you don't have a mouth problem. You have a heart problem. Those words that come out expose a heart condition. And God wants to take our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. So Proverbs 13.3 says, Those who guard their lips preserve their lives. But those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Scripture says a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. I want to walk in wisdom. I want to have spirit-led self-control. Can't do it on my own. On my own, I want to blow up. I want to melt down. But it's time for us to grow up and have that spirit-led self-control. Turn to God. Pray to him. I called one time. We did three boys in three years. So I had a three-year-old, a year and a half, and a newborn. And those early days are a diaper blur. I'm like, I hope I held everyone enough. It seems like I was always holding someone. I would even have a baby in the backpack and one boy on each hip and pack all three boys in the double stroller. Like, it was, it was busy. And I called one day. I was going to complain to my sweet mom-in-law and say, Mom, this is, you know, I'm overworked. I'm underappreciated. Complain, grumble, grumble, grumble. And I started, and the first thing she said was, have you prayed about it? I'm like, I've got to go. Because instead of appealing to God and getting in his word, 
I was calling a person to grumble and complain. Don't do that. Appeal to God. Get in his word. Psalm 141. This is one of my personal favorites. Psalm 141, verse 3. It says, set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. And I pray this. I pray, Lord, I need a big guard. I need a supersized industrial strength guard. I don't need your common average everyday little guard. I need the big guard. So all the time I will pray. Say there's a little conflict, a little tension. I'm like, hmm. I will pray, Lord, give me a big guard. Because if I say that destructive thing, I can't take it back. So, Lord, place a big guard, and you'll probably join me in praying that for yourself. Like, big guard, big guard, I need a big guard. But we'll be so glad for what we didn't say rather than regret what we did. Psalm 19, verse 14 says this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. I want to please God. I want to speak words that build up and don't tear down. So we're going to name it, we're going to challenge it, and we're going to tame it. We're going to be, quit being controlled by our emotions and start governing them. Psalm 2 helps me personally when I'm feeling discouraged. And if you're like me, you've probably been there. But verses 4 and 11 ask this question. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is a great example. Psalm 42, go there, study it this week. You will love it. The author names it. I'm downcast. Why so downcast? I'm going to look for the source. Why so downcast? Sometimes if you have one of those days where you're just struggling, be like, why so downcast? Examine it. Challenge it. Question it. Why so downcast? The author names it. I'm downcast. He challenges it. It's like, put your hope in God. Buck up, little camper. My sweet friend Shannon made me a quote cuff. When I'm having a down day, I love my sweet husband. He'll say, buck up, little camper. And he'll encourage me. But guess what? We have to encourage ourselves. Stop being ruled and governed and dictated by your emotions. And start giving yourself some encouragement. You're like, buck up, little camper. It'll be okay. Don't rely on an external source to do that. You talk to yourself and overcome some of those emotions. So the author names it. I'm downcast. Challenges it. Mm -mm, put your hope in God. And then he tames it. He's like, you praise him, my Savior and my God. I'm going to quit blowing up and melting down. I'm going to quit my temper tantrum and my pity party. And I'm going to start worshiping and focusing and magnifying my Savior. And God will give us a heart transplant. He will take our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. You know that bitter heart and that worried heart and that angry heart and that fearful heart and that guilty heart and that shameful heart? God's going to take it and give you a heart of hope. So feel your emotions and govern your feelings. Write that down. Feel your emotions and govern your feelings. So some who are super emotional, you're going to need to govern your feelings. And some who are stoics, you're going to need to feel those emotions. But feel your emotions and govern your feelings. So how do we deal with how we feel? 
We're going to take our hearts to God. We're going to get in his word. We're going to believe him more than what we think or we feel or someone else's opinion. Imagine the impact if all of us together started to govern our emotions. And instead of blowing up and melting down, we turned to God and we prayed and we self-governed and we can do it. We all know those moments where we're in the middle of the argument, ah, it's escalating, the phone rings, and we're like, hi, hello. Like, we've got it. We've got some spirit-led self-control. Or you argue all the way to church, and you arrive, and you're like, hey, happy Sunday. That's because you have a degree of self-control. Appeal to God that spirit-led self-control. Imagine the difference in our marriages, in our parenting, in our families, in our community, when we stop being driven and controlled by our emotions. So feel your emotions and govern your feelings. So today, we're going to begin this Mother's Day. We're going to identify what we feel, why we're feeling it, and how it can be governed and directed for good. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.